this evening. You're blessed. I like that. Hey, I hope you guys had a great week. Start to your week. And uh, did you guys have a good time at retreat? Yeah. Like, I, I know that uh, the guys, we had a good time. Right, boys? Yeah. Ladies? Yeah. 24 hours of power, having a good time. And we didn't get snowed in the middle of nowhere. Amen to that. Hey, we love these retreats and we believe that they are just kind of a catalyst for what God wants to do in your all's life. You got to understand, the Jesus that you met at retreat at the campgrounds is the same Jesus that is here tonight, same Jesus that is in your dorm room, same Jesus that's rolling around with you in your cars. The way you act there, the way you act at conferences, the things that you do is the way you need to act every single day. Because that's how a relationship with the Lord grows. Because He is the same. We need to be the same like He is. Okay? And so we're just praying that the things that God started at these retreats, man, this is only the beginning. God wants to set you guys free. He wants to grow you. And I'm just excited for the rest of this semester because I think that's going to take us to even the greater things of the Lord. And so uh, be praying with us. I'm going to go ahead and jump right into things tonight. I'm going to be honest with you. We got one or two things we need to cover. Um, and uh, as you know, last week we were continuing with our series called Mary, Did You Know? And we looked at the first appearance of Mary and Martha in the Bible found in Luke chapter 10. Jesus had a revolutionary relationship with women especially for the time and the age. You see, Jesus, a single man, was friends. Real friendship occurred between him and two single women. Not normal back then. Beyond that, they were as close as family. Family was very guarded. You, it was almost impossible to break into that atmosphere because it was so guarded. And yet, Jesus became family with these two. And beyond that, they received formal training from the Son of God for ministry to the people around them. Mary and Martha, they were important to Jesus. They were very important in every aspect of his life. And as we talked about, even though these two were sisters, they were very, very different people too. Uh, something I didn't cover last week, I'm just going to say it quickly here. That's Mary and Martha are a great example of what the family of God should look like. There is a common bond between Mary and Martha. There is blood there. There is parents there. There is something that unites them together. As the body of Christ, we have something that unites us together. That's the blood of Jesus Christ flowing through each and every one of us. But there should be differences within our family. If not, that's called cloning. And if you've ever seen every movie and stuff, bad things happen when you have a whole bunch of clones together. Not a good day. The true church of God has people who look different, who act different, who think different because we're family. And yet we are all united together by Jesus Christ. That's what God is looking for. That's what the kingdom is going to be when we enter into heaven. That's what we want Chi Alpha to be for our campuses. And so we learned last week, Martha, she's a type A personality, correct? She's a little bit of a doer. She always has to be active. She's a little more work-based. While Mary is more of a type B personality, a little bit more of a beer a little bit more contemplative, a little more word-based. And like we talked about last week, neither one is wrong, 
but our personality type influences how we interact with Jesus. Jesus wants us to have, as they like to say, that merry heart where we start by being near and to listening to Jesus in an undistracted manner. And then, from that point, he wants us to have Martha's hands, basically getting to work for him. Without that balance, our service for Jesus can actually be a distraction. And in turn, that can a lot of times leave us feeling lonely and empty. Jesus, from the very beginning, wants a growing relationship with each of us. Our relationship doesn't stop at salvation. That's only the beginning. And that takes, a growing, any growing relationship takes time. It takes effort. It takes spending each other time in each other's presence. Hearing God's voice. Receiving his guidance and his wisdom. And most importantly, his love over us. Tonight, we're going to look at the second story in the Bible of Mary and Martha that's found in John chapter 11. This is the story of when Jesus brings Lazarus, uh, Mary and Martha's brother, back to life. It's an awesome story about Jesus' power over death. Uh, this is actually probably the third time that Jesus brings someone back to life that we see in the scriptures. But this guy was really dead dead. I mean, he was dead for four days. And we're talking, it is a powerful scene that we're going to get into tonight. But between you and me, I think this story is more about Mary and Martha than it is about Lazarus. You see, don't get me wrong. It's pretty powerful that Jesus brings Lazarus back to life, but reality is, he's not there for most of the story. He's dead. This is a story about the living and those who are left behind. Uh, Paul tells us that uh, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. And so while it's cool that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he probably was like, Jesus, what are you doing, man? I was good. I was in paradise. I was in with the Father. And you bring me back to this place? This place has got nothing on heaven. And so, change your mindset a little bit as we get into this. The majority of the story is about Mary and Martha, the ones who were left behind. You see, these ladies, they have to deal with the tough questions, the hurt and the frustration. And honestly, it's going to be a fun little message tonight, but that's what I want to focus on. I want to focus on how to deal with frustration towards God. And so if you need a message title, we'll call it Friends, Family, and frustration with God. This is kind of a continuation on from last week's message. And because Mary and Martha are different people with different personality types, they each process frustration with God differently. And while frustration is normal when dealing with situations we don't understand, Jesus does not want us to stay there long term. If we do, frustration eventually leads to anger, which in turn leads to bitterness. And it's sad because I've, I've known some really great Marys and Marthas over the years who have allowed bitterness towards God and life to change them at a foundational level. And it's never been a good thing. It eats them away inside and almost leaves them like a husk of a person. Jesus came to give us life, and life more abundantly. And that includes in moments of pain, that's when Jesus is going to show up the most. 
And so I'm going to go ahead, just so you know, I've got to skip a few verses here and there. Go back and read all of John chapter 11. It's long. And so unless you all want to be here forever, I'm going to kind of... I'm going to read some chunks, and we'll kind of rock and roll from there, all right? Sound good? Okay, I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 6. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured her the perfume, expensive perfume, on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Kind of a little uh, foreshadowing into next week's message. That's where we're going. There you go. Uh, her brother... Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, He stayed where he was for the next two days. What causes frustration with God? What in your life, as you're sitting there and you're thinking, what causes you to get a little bit annoyed? Causes you a little bit of struggle in your life? That things don't maybe work out the way you want? You get mad about something? There are many reasons why we get frustrated with the Lord. But our frustration uh, comes back to some simple things in our life. Most of us, we get frustrated with God when we don't get what we want. We don't get how we want something. And when we don't get it when we want it. I think we see these things evident in these first few verses from Jesus' response. Jesus said in verse 4, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. First, and I'm just going to go quickly here, we need to make sure that we are hearing Jesus' promises correctly. You need to make sure you're hearing what he's actually saying. Jesus never said Lazarus wouldn't die, just that it wouldn't end in death. I think too often we take what Jesus said or part of what Jesus said and we like to read into it. We like to kind of superimpose our thoughts, our beliefs, what should actually happen onto what Jesus said. I like to say we like to customize Jesus' words a little bit too often. And unfortunately, when we do that, it leads to a lot of false expectations and then in turn leads to disappointment in our lives. Secondly, you got to know why Jesus does what he does. The reason for everything Jesus does or will ever do is found in verse 4. And it's the simple phrase it's for the glory of God. It's important to understand that we benefit from God's power. Can we all agree on that? We benefit from his blessings. We benefit from his sacrifice. We are his beneficiaries. But everything he has ever done and everything he will ever do is for the singular purpose, for the glory of God. And this one's a little bit hard to understand and a little bit hard to accept at times, but God doesn't exist to serve us. We exist to serve Him. And if we want to grow, and if we want to become mature disciples of Christ, we need to move from a self-centered view of the world to a God-centered view of the world. See, when we believe that Jesus, everything Jesus does is about me, and our view, our view of God is always going to be kind of unhealthy, just so you know. Just like the earth is not the center of the universe, the sun is, we are not the center of God's universe, he is. 
if you start from the wrong point, you're always going to be wrong. My daughter's five years old. She believes that Missy and I work for her. I'm pretty sure. She's a little on the bossy side. I love the kid, but man, she is, uh, woo, she's demanding at times, especially when she doesn't get a nap. <laughs> that is for sure. She believes that everything that we do is for her. And while I love her with all my heart, and I want to take care of her, and I sacrifice for her, the reason for my existence is not to serve her. And the reason for my existence is not even for my own glory, but it's for the glory of the Lord. I said last week that we need to make sure we never overestimate our importance and never underestimate His. And please understand, it's not that we aren't important to God. And it's not that He doesn't love us, because so, that's so not true. It's the difference between the temporary and the eternal with the Lord. You see, our wants, our desires are temporary. They're momentary because we are momentary. But the glory of God is eternal. Where's Lazarus today? He dead. Okay, this isn't a trick question. I mean, he's not popping out of the closet or something. He's dead. Jesus raised him from the dead, but eventually he died again. It's just the reality of who we are and this temporary world that we live in. But God's glory, the fame that he received from that temporary miracle is eternal. You see, long after Lazarus is dead, God's fame from that excuse me, miracle, continues on. It is literally thousands of years later, and we are still talking about God, what God did on that day. Long after the physical benefits of God's blessings are gone, the spiritual benefits ripple into eternity. It's just like throwing a rock into a lake. That stone will quickly disappear underneath the surface of the water, but the ripples from that point go out across the lake. And now imagine that God's blessings, His miracles, His provision, His protection over you are like stones on the surface of your life. You think your life is calm and unmoved, but the reality is God's power, God's glory, God's fame is everywhere in your life if you're actually looking for it. The question is, students, when we approach Jesus with our requests, is it for my gain or is it for his fame? That's what you need to be asking yourself. Is it for my gain, for me only, or is it for the fame of the Father? That's how Jesus lived. We can boldly approach God's throne with our requests. God doesn't gotta have a problem with that. But do we only care about ourselves? Do we only care about what we get out of it, or is it for His gain? If you look in the Bible, Jesus heals, what, ten lepers? And only one returns to him. And Jesus said, has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus wanted all of them to be healed, but more importantly, he wanted his Father to receive glory. What's more important in your life? As we go on here, there's another thing that we need to understand about how our Lord serves and how He works. Just because Jesus loves us doesn't mean He'll do what we want when we want it. Uh, look in verse 5 and 6. 
So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. You need to understand this love that Jesus had for these guys was greater than his, was, was greater than theirs. This love that's described in the Bible is the agape love, the heavenly love, the pure love from God the Father. Can we all agree that God's timing can be really frustrating? Man, I think it's probably the thing that gets me most frustrated. Both Martha and Mary wanted Jesus to come immediately. They wanted him to come and heal their brother. And we see that they both have the same response when they saw Jesus. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. It's not hard to imagine the frustration they would have had in their voices. They knew what he could do. I'm sure that they had seen him heal people over and over again, but for some reason, he didn't come when his friend needed him. That's hard to understand. If he loves me so much, why wouldn't he show up? And it's easy to get frustrated when we don't understand why Jesus doesn't show up in our circumstances. There are many times in our life it feels like God's late. But you need to know that God's never late. He's always going to be on time. You also need to understand that I don't think it was a matter of if Jesus wanted to go to Lazarus immediately. He loved him. He cared about him. He wants to see the very best for his friend. That kind of love motivates a, a person to action. To do whatever they can to help. You see, Jesus' love for them wasn't in doubt, but it also wasn't Jesus' determining factor either. It was God's will. Over and over again, we see in the New Testament, Jesus only did the Father's will. I don't believe Jesus wanted Lazarus to die but it was the Father's will. I don't think Jesus looked forward to dying a horrible death on the cross, but it was the Father's will. There's an opportunity. There was a need. But Jesus had to move according to the will of God. Jesus loved them, but he also knew the will and timing of his Father. Eventually, we see that Jesus risks his life to go to Bethany to be with Mary and Martha because he cares about them. But Jesus had to be obedient to the Lord and to the Lord's timing. When we get frustrated, when you don't feel like God's showing up in your situations, try to remember that His life and His death were for you and me. For the eternal, Jesus did this. And I wish... I wish I had some deep way to, you know, word this and get you guys to understand. But simply put, at the very beginning, there was perfection. At the very end, there will be perfection. 
Unfortunately, the stuff in between, the sin, kind of messed stuff up. But what I do know is Jesus is the solution for the messed up stuff. Like I mentioned before, different types of people process frustration differently. In verse 20, uh, we see that uh, when Martha finds out that Jesus comes to town, what does she do? She goes out to him. Uh, And while she goes out to Jesus, Mary stays home. Make no doubt, Mary and Martha are humans. They were frustrated, if not angry, at Jesus. And this situation just kind of shows you how people handle frustration differently. Type A personality Martha confronts Jesus. Last week we saw that she has no problem expressing her own opinions and thoughts, and you can bet that she goes out to meet Jesus wanting some answers. While type B Mary... She avoids Jesus. She doesn't want to go into his presence because she's upset with her friend. How many of us avoid Jesus' presence when we're mad at him? We don't want to pray. We don't want to spend time in his word. We come up with excuses not to go to life group and be around other Christians. This is one of those times it's probably better to be a Martha than a Mary. Last week we talked about being near Jesus and being able to hear him. We can't start to hear his voice if we're not even near our Savior. Avoiding Jesus' presence is counterproductive in every single way. We can't be complete. We can't receive healing. We can't be restored. We can't be taught without being in his presence. Jesus isn't afraid of confrontation. I'm pretty sure Jesus knew that Mary and Martha were kind of hacked at him for not coming sooner and not healing their brother. That's a safe bet. Jesus also knew that they would be hurting and he had compassion on them we don't read the story we don't see that jesus struck martha down with lightning or anything she was in pain and pain comes out of us in different ways for martha it was a level of frustration and confrontation for mary grief tears i've asked julie in a couple weeks to actually speak on uh, grief and hope and i'm sure she'll say this so i won't cover her topic but reality is pain blinds us to the truth jesus is a big god and when we come to him he can handle our frustrations And he's there to help us. For type A people, when we believe that the Lord is late, or he's quiet, or we feel that he's ignoring our circumstances, it makes it difficult for us to trust him. How can I believe you when you don't show up when I need you the most? And even though we know that Jesus' timing is always perfect, he has to address a trust issue for Martha. And you know what? It's a beautiful thing to think about that even when we start from a wrong place or a misunderstanding of the truth, Jesus will work from that place and work from our imperfection to get us back on track again. We see it here And we see it again with Mary. Jesus understands us. Martha's a logical person, even in her loss. 
Jesus needs to reestablish that trust in him, so he gives her a quick little lesson on seeing the truth even in the midst of despair. Martha hasn't given up. In verse 22, even after she expresses her frustration, she says, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. She trusted Jesus overall, but he needed to build her up in that moment. He needed to build her up in the middle of that storm. Any of you ever felt like Martha? I'm a Martha personality. I believe in Jesus. I know what he can do. I know he will give me eternal life. I just don't, I don't know how he can help me today. I don't know how he can help me in my circumstances I'm going through. Jesus builds up Martha's trust in him by first reminding her of the promise he had made. He tells her, your brother will rise again. And Jesus, or excuse me, Martha responds to Jesus in verse 24. Yes, at when everyone else rises on resurrection day. It, Martha's expressing what she understands about the end. Eventually, we will all rise. We will all stand before Jesus. We will all be judged. That's her mentality. But when I read this, I almost feel that she's like, yeah, yeah, Lord. I know. Everyone will rise again. That really doesn't help me now. You want to annoy a type A personality? Give them a canned response. Don't worry. God's in control. Michaela agrees. All right. God has a plan for your life. Just pray about it. It's the truth, but kind of annoying in the moment. But for Martha, Jesus has to start in a place of truth to build up her faith. You see, truth is like a lighthouse in the darkness to help avoid us sinking. When the times are the darkest, we need the light to lead, lead us back to Him. That's why we got to hold on to these truths. That's why we have to hold on to these promises to remember that even what we can't see past today, we know what is there. And then next, Jesus makes one of His famous, one of His seven famous I Am statements. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the vine. And here, I am the resurrection and the life. When you die, your goal shouldn't be to go to heaven. Just so you know. When you die, you go to Jesus. There is no resurrection, there's no life, there's nothing apart from Him. When we leave this world, we do go stand before Him. You either get a reward called heaven, or you get a punishment called hell. It is what it is. We go to Him no matter what, though. And then Jesus goes on to tell Martha the benefits of trusting Him. Anyone, Martha, anyone who believes in Me will live even after dying. You don't have to think you're good enough. You don't have to be smart enough. You don't have to be strong enough. Anyone who believes in Me, who trusts Me, will live. And everyone who lives in Me, everyone who makes me their blood, makes me their breath, makes me their life. And trust in me, we'll receive a life. I've told you the truth, Martha. I've told you why you should trust me. Now do you? 
Do you believe this, Martha? See, trust opens the door for Jesus to do the miraculous in our lives. The word says that Jesus only did a few miracles in his hometown because people lacked faith. Jesus didn't want Martha to think that what was about to happen was luck or by chance. He wanted her to know it was happening because of him. Martha's trust and faith had grown in a short time. Her response to him, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. This was Martha's live by faith, not by sight moment. If Jesus is truly our Lord, the answer, our answer always needs to be yes, correct? If Jesus answer, asks you a question and you answer in any other way, guess what? He's not really your Lord. We don't get a choice. It's about obedience. And so, Martha has this great conversation with Jesus. She goes to Mary, tells Mary that, hey, you've been holding off seeing Jesus. He wants you to come to see him now. And so she does. For these type B personalities, when we believe that the Lord is late or quiet, it's not so much a matter of trust. It's a matter of feeling that God doesn't care about us. Does he even care about me? With her being more contemplative, a beer, she did what I already mentioned with her frustration. She withdrew. Marys in this room, please listen to me. Don't allow your contemplative spirits to withdraw from God's presence and into your pain and anger. Bad things happen anytime we separate ourselves from our comforter. No one, nothing can fully comfort us like Jesus' spirit. And when we do withdraw from the presence of God, it leaves us hard and unable to feel His love. Could Jesus have healed Lazarus immediately? Yes! Obviously, He could have raised Him from the dead. But you see, He came to Bethany to both increase Martha's trust and to give Mary the present of presence that we talked about last week. You see, it was never just about healing Lazarus. He could have done that anywhere. This was an opportunity to give Mary the greatest gift of her life. His presence. You see, Jesus knows how to speak the language of our hearts because he created our hearts. He knows exactly what we need at the right moment and the right time. And so we see Mary goes to Jesus. She falls at his feet. And she says the same thing that Martha said. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And we see that Jesus' response to Mary was different because Mary was a different person with different needs. Students, Jesus is a personal Savior who ministers to us in the ways that we need in our life. He doesn't need to increase Mary's trust. She just needed to know that He cared for her. And you see this over the next few verses. After seeing Mary cry, a deep anger arose inside of Jesus and he was troubled. And the Bible tells us then that Jesus wept. I'm going to be honest with you. For a long time, I was really confused about why Jesus was crying here. I mean, he's Jesus. It's not like he doesn't know how this all plays out. Spoiler alert. 
I bring Lazarus back to life. Everything's going to be good. Everything's all right. Just relax. Even though he knew the outcome, we see that Jesus was still upset and he cried. This present of presence that we've been talking about is more than just a physical presence, folks. It also extends to our emotional presence. You see, even though Jesus was God, he was also a man. And becoming human included taking on every aspect of humanity, including our emotions. Too many people see Jesus and God as this cold robot who doesn't care about our pain. Tom Smith. Tom, I am talking to you. Just so you know, Jesus is not Spock. Yes. He has a personality. He cares. He loves us. He wants the best for us. So why does Jesus cry and mourn with Mary? Well, first, grieving actually brings healing in our lives. Have you ever stuffed pain and anger down deep inside of you? I have. When Missy and I lost our child. Oh, I did the first time. And you know what? It may temporarily stop that feeling, but it doesn't bring healing. Those things begin to fester in your life. They begin, they begin to become infected, and they change the person we are into something unhealthy. Jesus wants us to be healthy in every way, folks. And so he'll mourn with us. Two, Jesus was an emotionally healthy man. Uh, boys, can we all agree that Jesus was a man's man? Yeah. Yes. Guys, he was a trained carpenter, okay? He knew how to work with his hands. He knew how to use tools. He... He knew how to use power tools, right, Blaze? Yeah, there we go. There we go. Jesus walked a lot, so I imagine he probably was pretty ripped, man. Keeps you healthy. I like to imagine Jesus had the biggest, manliest beard that you could ever imagine. Putting all beards to shame, yes. We see that Jesus was a leader, right? He spoke with authority. He had the power of God over him. And he cried. Too many times I've seen guys who are emotionally closed off. Both when they're in pain and when their friends around them are in pain. doesn't help anyone. Emotionally healthy people are relationally healthy people. Guys, you want this brotherhood, you want this deeper connection, this community that you talked about all the weekend, guess what? You got to have an emotional health for each other too. And to support each other. As Christians, we are to show love. Compassion. The emotion, an emotion that Jesus displays throughout the Gospels, compassion is the emotional expression of love to those who are hurting. Romans 12.15 tells us, Rejoice with those who who rejoice 
weep with those who weep. Begin to wrap up here soon. I I do want to make something clear before we go on. Once again, it is okay to question God. Lord, I don't understand. Lord, help me to understand. Or at least give me faith until I do understand. Which may not be until I stand in your presence in heaven. That's what we see Mary and Martha doing in this story. Jesus is a big God. He can handle your little questions. It's okay to question God. What's not okay is to accuse God. You see, questions draw you closer to the Lord, and accusation will separate you from the Lord. Uh, Verse 37. Verse Next page. (laughs) You had some people hanging out with uh, Mary. They were weeping. They were mourning with her. Some people standing by saw Jesus begin to cry, said, see how much he loved him. But then some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? See, questioning's cool, but when we take it to a different place of placing Jesus on trial, when we begin to sit in judgment, or trying to sit in judgment over him, when we find Jesus guilty, and we tell Jesus that you need to explain yourself to me for your failure, we got problems. You see, when we accuse God, we take on His role. We think we know best, and at some point, we believe that God has sinned against us. you got to notice something here. Through this whole story, Jesus never apologizes to Mary and Martha. He's both physically and emotionally present, He helps them to remember the truth. He helps them to grow in their faith. He doesn't give them an apology. Jesus doesn't owe you an apology. Don't ever think that that you need to forgive Jesus. Okay? He doesn't owe it. Jesus arrives at the tomb. I love it because the word says that Jesus is still kind of angry. He's ticked. And I don't know if they had like uh, sleeves on robes back then, but I imagine Jesus rolls up and he's like, game time. Let's do this. You guys, move the stone aside. Things are going to happen. And the ever practical Martha, Jesus, I don't know, man. This is a bad idea. I mean, it's been four days. He's kind of stinky by now. Maybe we should just kind of move on. And then Jesus reminds her of the message that he sent back at the very beginning. You understand, Jesus said from the beginning, it's not going to end in death. From the very beginning, this is about God's glory. We had a conversation when I showed up in Bethany, Martha. Do you believe? Do you want to see God's glory? Do you want to see the power that has made the Father famous throughout the world? If you want that, you better believe in me. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. At that point, Martha steps back. Cool. Do your thing, Jesus. And Jesus looks up to heaven and says, Father, thank you for hearing me. Just a quick suggestion to you. If you ever want something from the Father, start off by thanking the Father for what you have. 
There is a reason why at prayer every week we start off with praise reports. It's not just to fill time, folks. It's because we need to come into the throne room with God, of God with an attitude of gratitude. Too many times we go in with our hands out and we never stop to thank Him for what He's provided for us. And so take a moment. Thank the Father like Jesus did. And Jesus goes on to say, You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Why do we pray out loud? Why should you bother to pray out loud? Can Jesus not hear me when I'm praying inside my head? Of course He can. He's Jesus. But we need to pray out loud for the sake of those around us. To encourage them. To lift them up. To embolden them to pray powerful prayers. This is something that Jesus modeled to all His disciples. You may not like it, but if you want to grow and become a mature Christian, it's got to be a part of your life. Students, this is how we show others what a relationship with God looks like. Model it. And so, with emotion, with passion, with compassion, Jesus shouts, Lazarus, come out! And I honestly, I do believe that Jesus had to specify Lazarus because of his power and authority, he could have cleaned out the cemetery that day. Seriously. And the man who had been dead comes walking out of the tomb. And his hands, his legs, his feet, his face, they're wrapped in grave clothes. And Jesus turns to the friends and the family that are there and says to them, unwrap him and let him go. I love it because Jesus modeled to Mary and Martha and their friends and family what it means to be present for those we care about. Jesus calls on all those people to work together to take off the grave clothes of their family member. He wants us to do the same thing. There are some Christians who are still wearing their old identities. Girls, you talked a little bit about that this weekend? There are some Christians who still are wearing their condemnation, their shame, their junk from the past, even though Christ has lived, raised us to life. Our, body, our job as the body of Christ, is to help our brothers and sisters. To help them take off those grave clothes and put on the new life and the new clothes that Jesus has given to us. To speak life. To speak love over each other. To encourage each other in their faith. To be present physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Guys, Jesus is asking us to do what he did. Set people free. And it starts here. Bow your heads.